Hi, my name is Millie Vieira, and this is Global Tides, a podcast where I interview Pepperdine students and faculty that have produced excellent research. The music industry has historically been dominated by male artists, who are given full artistic license to explore various musical themes, including explicitly sexual ones. However, in recent years, as women have gained influence in the music industry, their use of these themes has been widely criticized and condemned, creating a significant double standard. Enter the electroclash music movement, a subgenre designed to defy gender norms and challenge boundaries of sound design and lyricism. But how does the technical process of sound design intersect with gender equality? And what can we learn from the style and themes of the modern female electroclash movement? Today we are joined by Cameron Davis, a senior majoring in media production with a music concentration. Thanks so much for joining me, Cameron. Yeah, of course. Thanks for having me on the podcast. Before I invite my guests to talk about their research, I usually like for our listeners to be able to get to just know you a little bit better, to understand you and your passion for your topic. So do you mind sharing a little bit about yourself? Yeah, so um, like you said, I'm a media production major with a music concentration and yeah that's been really good because the music concentration has really allowed me to kind of tailor my classes um and I feel like I'm getting to do exactly what I want to be doing and I'm taking the classes that I'm really really excited about um so yeah my major's been a lot of fun and very pivotal in my professional goals, obviously. And I also came into Pepperdine as a music major. So I have like a pretty rich history in classical music, classical music training. Um, I've always grown up around classical music and my mom was a music professor and voice teacher at a university in my hometown. So it's kind of something that I've always been around. Um, yeah. So you grew up being exposed to music, and I'm wondering, how have you, besides your major, how have you continued to pursue those passions um, for vocal performance and music at Pepperdine? Yeah, so I am currently involved with KWVS Radio, which is um, Pepperdine's student-led radio station, and I'm the director of development for the station, so I am pretty much in charge of seeking out um, professional networking opportunities and yeah any any ways that I can help our members kind of get plugged into the industry and a professional community that's kind of my role yeah and then I also have my own radio show and I talk about shows that I've been to and new artists that people should be on the lookout for, um, music that I think people should be listening to. Um, so KWVS has been a really big part of my Pepperdine experience and I'm really grateful for it. And then also I make music with one of my best friends at Pepperdine. Um, we make music under the name Sweet Kareen and we describe the genre as kind of like eclectic folk um, just for lack of a better, a better term, but 
that's also been something that I've really loved doing at Pepperdine um, and a way that I'm kind of pursuing music in a way that I, that feels really um, like authentic. And then also I, I mentioned before my, my media production classes have been a lot of fun, at, but especially my classes with Dr. Madden, um, who is my faculty advisor for my research project, but he teaches sound design and scoring classes, and those classes have definitely pointed me in a very specific direction, and that's kind of how I was introduced to the art of sound design, and um, yeah, really everything that I'm interested in now, and kind of the professional trajectory that I'm taking um, was because of those classes. And we're recording this episode pretty close to your graduation date. So first of all, congratulations. You're almost done. Yeah, thank you. It's exciting. Yeah. So do you have any plans to continue your passion for music and sound design in the future? Yeah, I do, actually. Um, So, uh, I mean, I mentioned that my professional goals have definitely taken a specific trajectory. And for now, I'm applying to jobs in sound design for film, um, which I feel like is a pretty niche industry that not a lot of people know about. Um, so yeah, I, I just feel like it's often overlooked, but anytime that you're watching a movie, like any of the sounds that you're hearing, um, from like natural sounds to like the sounds of dragons roaring, I feel like no one really thinks about how those sounds are made because it's not like you can go out and record a dragon um (laughs) those yeah yeah those sounds have to be made um like in a creative way and that's such a huge part of the film industry um and so that's kind of the very specific route that I'm trying to take professionally So designing sound for film and creating what are called folly sounds, just taking, um, just creating sounds in kind of impractical ways and then editing those sounds and making them sound like something that is completely different than what they actually are. Wow. Well, thanks, Cam, so much for sharing with us a little bit about your background and your hopes for the future. So... Your research is a little different than that of previous guests I've had on the show, as it's a bit more technical. And I'll admit, my personal knowledge of sound design and music production is exceptionally limited. So I'm definitely waded out into uncharted waters here. Um, But I'd love if you could just first break down a little bit about the process of sound design research. How does it work? My research was really unique and multifaceted in the sense that I obtained all of my information through several different mediums. Um, So I was reading a lot of literature on the social significance of electronic music and group boxes, and I listened to a lot of music produced on the MC505, which was the focus of my research project, and also music produced on instruments similar. And I watched a lot of interviews with electronic music artists, and most importantly, I produced and experimented on the MC505. And I would say that that was the most valuable aspect of the research, because 
it really gave me a better understanding of the origins of the music I was studying and the technicalities were absolutely critical to understanding the nature of the music produced on it. So basically you're doing multiple things at once for this project. You're experimenting with the machine but you're also doing more of an academic literature review and deep dive into historical and sociological trends as well. Yeah, yeah, I love it. It's um, it's a good mix of creative learning and also um, obtaining an understanding of the context of the content that I'm taking in. So you mentioned that your research focuses specifically on the Roland MC-505, which is a type of group box. Tell us more about this machine specifically and what it does. Yeah, so the MC-505 is a self-contained uh, dance music sequencer and sound module, and it was created in 1998. And it acts as a synthesizer and drum machine, and it allows the user to record up to eight tracks meaning that the user is able to record eight different stems of audio in one pattern. And these tracks can be drums, synthesizers, vocoders, etc. Um, there are over 512 preset sounds and 26 rhythm patterns, and the user is able to record up to 34 bars per pattern. So, in other words, you can make a pretty lengthy piece of music. And the purpose of the MC505 and other sequencers or groove boxes is to build a multi-track pattern that comes together seamlessly. So in which types of music would we commonly hear sounds produced by an MC-505? Anything produced on the MC-505 can fall under the larger meta-genre, electronic or dance music, simply because anything produced with an electronic instrument falls under that category naturally. Um, but there are numerous subgenres within electronic dance music, and the one heavily associated with the MC505 is a genre called Electroclash. And Electroclash is a form of electronic music that is created to be ironic. Um, the genre explores topics that would not typically be discussed in popular music, um, ones that may seem pretty blunt or ugly, so to speak. And I've actually prepared a sound demonstration to illustrate these features for you. Um, so you have a lot of sounds to choose from on the MC505. Like I said, from drums to synthesizers to vocoders to random sound effects such as car horns and vocal woos. Um, so I'll play some of those now. And then in terms of the MC505's layering capabilities, um, yeah, it's designed so that you can stack a bunch of tracks together and build your own pattern. So here's a pattern that I made and I'll play it track by track and then later I'll show you what it sounds like all together.
So I tried to mimic some of the lyrical styles of Electro Clash in this audio demonstration. However, this is a much milder form of Electro Clash, both lyrically and technically, and I would highly recommend exploring the genre on your own. But here is my full rendition of an Electro Clash song. Wow, Cameron, I really loved that. That that was amazing. I'm I'm gonna want to hear the whole track if you can share that with me. Um, but thanks so much for taking the time, first of all, just to create that, and also for for sharing your art with us. How long did it take for you to create this? So I actually composed this track in about twelve ish hours. Um, it was mostly done in one day because it was the type of thing that. I started and then as soon as I started it, I wanted to finish it. Um, but I've been producing on the MC505 all year and that was kind of a rare case. It usually takes me much longer to create a finished product. 
Got it. Wow. Well, thanks again. Um, and as you mentioned, this device has a history of being used predominantly in electroclash music, which is a new genre for me. Um, and you touched a little bit on the lyricism style and kind of the irony imbued in a lot of the electroclash tracks and themes in the music. But I'm wondering if you can tell our listeners a little bit more about this specific genre, especially if they haven't heard it before. Yeah, so a little bit about the sound characteristics of Electroclash. Um, it it really doesn't sound like the music we typically associate with electronic music, and it kind of sounds like punk music that's been produced electronically. I think that's the best way to describe it. And the genre is rooted in a place of frustration. Um, a lot of a lot of electronic artists were really frustrated with the rigidity of electronic and techno music. And so it was kind of built on the concept of breaking norms and its lyrics and structure and sound definitely follows suit. And it really puts an emphasis on humor and showmanship. And it really became a turning point for electronic music. And it's now one of the most significant subgenres. And it holds a lot of social significance too, in the sense that these artists were calling out hypocrisy with their lyricism and as I said before just breaking a lot of norms and so how are feminists specifically using this style of music to rewrite these traditional gender norms yeah so from a feministic point of view um breaking norms goes even further than blunt lyrics and rejection of formal structures the number of female gender bending and non-binary artists that contribute to the genre is actually quite significant and many of these bands and artists were breaking the status quo by incorporating themes that were overlooked when performed by male artists but when performed by these female and non-binary artists they became controversial specifically themes of sexuality in return electroclash kind of became a symbol for the destruction of hypocrisy the destruction of hypocrisy i love that um so you mentioned that you did a lot of research on specific artists that really influenced the electroclash movement. So I'm wondering which female or non-binary artists really inspired your research. Yeah, so there's a Canadian electroclash artist um, by the name of Peaches, and she quickly became a really significant point of reference for my research as she kind of found herself at the epicenter of this electroclash countercultural movement. Um, Peaches also produces almost solely on the MC505, which in tandem places it at the epicenter of the movement. And she writes lyrics that are directly connected to her sexuality and very centered on the body. And her lyrics are tied to more of a third wave, really sex positive feminism and are also LGBTQI plus inclusive. And I think that she really encapsulates the spirit of Electroclash well. So I definitely recommend um, listening to her, doing a deep dive. It's it's really fun too as well. Um, and some other artists that I'd like to recommend are Chicks on Speed, Latigue, Fisher Spooner, Lady Tron, and the Scissor Sisters. And you recently presented research to the Seaver Symposium about a feminist revisionist history of the MC505. Um, first off, congratulations on being featured. 
yeah thank you it was it was a pleasure to present yeah um and can you expand upon why you believe it is crucial that we study sound design as it relates to gender and sexual identity yeah so the history of women has obviously been a pretty silent one and music and sound are definitely no exceptions to that statement and sound design is a largely male-dominated industry because of its history and I mean, there was a time when it was controversial for women to even compose music. So I think that women partaking in the art of sound design and owning their craft is an act of feminism in and of itself because they've been overlooked for so long. And there's actually a new short film by Lisa Robner called Sisters with Transistors about the female pioneers of electronic music. It's narrated by Laurie Anderson, who is, in my opinion, one of the most influential sound designers to have lived. And it takes a deep dive into the history of women in music and how they were long rejected from the industry and overlooked whenever they actually broke into it. And so many incredible breakthroughs in music can be attributed to women. And that should just really be acknowledged and celebrated more. Wow. And I I haven't heard of that film. So I think I'm definitely going to check that out after. Cameron, as a feminist yourself... I'm wondering if this research has informed your perspectives and goals for your own music production and career in the industry. And kind of a follow-up to that, so how do you see the lessons you learned from these inspiring female and non-binary electroclash artists impacting your goals moving forward? Yeah, definitely. Um, Yeah, I feel really empowered to create high-caliber audio art in the same way that many of these artists have. And I feel confident also in my abilities to do so. And I think we're finally in a place where female artists are being recognized for their accomplishments, which feels really good. So learning from these female and non-binary artists has definitely made me more confident about moving forward in the industry. And it also makes me excited to be a part of such a fierce community of female musicians and sound designers. Well, Cameron, thank you so much for sharing Um, your perspective and about your research. It's been an absolute pleasure and I really appreciate you coming on the show. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. It's, It's been fun to share. Thank you so much for listening. This episode was edited and produced by Taylor Matthews. Our next episode will feature Dr. Felicity Vabulous, an international politics and economics professor studying the motivations for withdrawal from intergovernmental organizations. See you next time.